1: Steven Universe podcast. I'm Mackenzie Atwood, and you know what we're talking about today. The incredible season finale of Steven Universe. Just, wow. I mean, I'm sure you're like me, and you have as many questions as I do about what happened in the hour-long finale, Battle of Heart and Mind, and how it all came together. So that's why we're going to break it down with the Universe. I've got creator Rebecca Sugar, former executive producer Ian Jones Cordy, current co-executive producers Kat Morris and Joe Johnston, and former writers Matt Burnett and Ben Levin to take us behind the scenes and provide a little insight into the design and casting of new fusions, the reformed gems, the diamonds' relationships, and Pink Steven. So let's get started with Rebecca, Kat, and Joe. Thank you guys for being here again. Hey, thanks Thanks for for having us. having us.
2: Happy to be here.
1: Awesome. So to start off, I have to ask, and this is definitely not the most important question that I could be asking but i the rainbow worm thing in steven's dream at the start of the episode who is she you know
3: well that's dd's Dee voice which is <laughs> <it's, it's> incredible <laughs> um that was one of the many pieces of the princess gauntlet steven's going through on homeworld that we were trying to tick off Every princess trope just put him through this gauntlet of princess tropes as soon as he gets there and they all feel alienating to him. Uh, this one is the one of like Jasmine throwing the door of the cage open and the birds fly out you know <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pink has let these creatures loose because she loves them and loves animals and, and creatures and Steven does too this is not this would not necessarily be out of character for him. Uh, but we d- we tried to do absolutely all of them. Uh, we did the pebbles making his clothes.
4: Biz mice.
2: Biz yeah.
1: mice. <laughs> Cinderella.
3: Uh, yes, we did the ball. Locked up in tower. We did the lo- yes, mm-hmm. throws a ball. He's locked in a tower. There was one you really wanted, cat, which mm-hmm. was pearls. Sort of telling him to do his studies.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is in the ball. Maybe more specifically, an answer to the question of what is the rainbow worm thing. The rainbow worm thing is an alien creature from some planet that the gems were colonizing at the, Kyanite. the time. The
3: Kyanite colony.
2: The Kyanite colony, that's yes. right. <laughs> and uh, Pink brought a bunch of them home with her because yes. she loved them. And Blue let her do it. Yep. And then she set them loose
3: in the ball. And now they're running around chasing the pearls up and down the halls.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's all laid out. And there's one in Blue's hair. Yes. Yes. They're
3: they're all over the place. Yeah, you can she imagine. threw the the cage. She threw the door open on the cage, and they all flew
2: out. They all got <laughs> into everyone's hair. Yeah. I imagine
3: it's just how she wanted to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she wanted to. She wanted the door of her cage to fly open, and she could fly away. Just like, well, they don't really fly. They <laughs> they land pretty hard. I used to. I, we were looking a lot at those um, sort of glowworm style dolls. Uh, Yeah,
4: from like uh, the 80s.
3: (laughs) Um, And also uh, characters like Orbity. There was sort of a stretch of time after E.T. was popular where every cartoon tried to add a cute but also hideous alien (laughs) friend or something. I think that all those designs are fascinating. They really don't hold up.
1: So with the the whole talk about um, the worm and pink letting it out and blue uh, letting her take them home and whatever and sort of caving, we got a lot of info about the like sort of dynamic between the diamonds, you know, pink, blue, y- yellow, and even white. So like, I, I was wondering what inspired their kind of relationship with each other.
3: Well, they all exist as... A body, which we show very literally with their ships. Pink is the id, blue and yellow are the ego, and white is the superego. And what happens between them, especially in Change Your Mind, is this one body's experience of embarrassment where the id is coming to the superego and saying, No, this, I want this, I like this, I am this and the super ego is saying no <laughs> and ultimately it's actually not that because this is not pink this is steven and he's a person right but that's that was their dynamic in the past
0: mm-hmm.
2: just to be clear the the body is the allegory they weren't literally they aren't literally no. <laughs> their ships literally
3: become a body Yeah, the ships. Yes.
2: <laughs> but they're still rocks
3: Yeah, they're metaphorically a body, Mm -hmm. a body of people, a body of gems.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of bodies of gems, we got uh, (laughs) reformed gems. Everybody got poofed and everybody came back. So, you know, we got a lot of new designs. How did you guys decide, like,
4: what to settle on for everybody's outfits? Endless drawing. There was an email thread (laughs) where everyone was just throwing up drawings and then we would take them and draw something a little different and then someone else would have a different idea and it was just a wacky stack of drawings. We went
3: around the block. We ran around the, the town. <laughs> we ran mm-hmm. around to everything. There. Okay, so there was one thing that we really wanted. In, in early concepts from Colin, Rainbow 2.0 had a scarf. But it was also very important to me that the gems, their fusions, Stephen's fusions, they have his clothes and the gems' clothes. So every time you see one of these new fusions, you're also secretly getting a sneak peek at the form they're about to have because it's mm. their clothes plus Stephen's clothes. So we were trying to make this scarf work on Pearl.
4: Mm-hmm. I remember uh, this very well. Scarf. And
3: really wanted the jacket. And somehow all the drawings I was doing of jacket plus scarf, plus shorts at, at the time, mm-hmm. she looked like a kid detective. <laughs> <laughs> it was just not coming together. And, oh, I tried, there were somewhere Garnet's glasses were transparent.
4: I drew oh, Peridot yeah. with yeah. the star glasses for a long time, but then Garnet star ended glasses. up getting them. Garnet got
3: the star glasses. Uh, we we tried it all. And I think the one thing I really love that we arrived at, did you come up with the sort of shredded shorts for Amethyst? Yeah, with
4: the star pockets. With the star
3: pockets. <laughs> <laughs> and then it sort of clicked where I was like, everyone should kind of have jeans now. Like they pick up a little. <laughs> First off, I love Johnny the jeans, jeans, uh, but they pick up a little of... Stephen's influence, not just from that moment, but from their all of their times together. I think mm-hmm. a lot of them haven't reformed since very early on. So, I mean, Pearl reformed in episode thirteen and Garnet in fifty-two. And they've been the same since Amethyst has gone through a lot, but um they've learned a lot from Stephen since they changed those mm-hmm. those early days, so they've definitely brought that. To their new selves
1: yeah i wanted to ask pearl has her jacket and i've seen a lot of people talking like is that kind of a reference to her bad pearl like uh from uh last one out of beach city yeah that's part of her independence that's awesome the jeans too She yeah. sort of <laughs> yeah subtly <laughs>
3: has those jeans mm-hmm. and this is something i mean she's been very different lately she's been playing the field <laughs> she's been exploring who she is, and all of that I think really got kick-started in that episode, so it's very
2: important to her.
1: Yeah. There's the gold accents on Garnet, too, right? Is yeah. That- mm-hmm. There's
2: gold accents in a, in a couple places, too. On Lapis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You really wanted to get the, the the lazuli part of Lapis lazuli. It's actually gold. Is act- yeah, it's a mm-hmm. gold. Flex. It's like a mica, and that's what's in the stone, actually, that makes it sparkle. And so we wanted to get that into her design. That's where those the gold like lacy belt part comes from
4: mm. her yeah. sandals gold too
2: mm-hmm. her sandals are gold
4: you really wanted to get her in some sandals <laughs> i did <laughs>
2: <laughs> she's been barefoot for a while
4: <laughs> yes i want
3: comfortable cosplay <laughs> <laughs> i think that i want those pants <laughs> yeah i like yes. to give people things i feel like w- people would enjoy
4: wearing i hope <laughs> there were a lot of Except versions for the body paint i guess
3: <laughs> yes
2: that's well if you're already blue then you got it you yeah, get all set. There were a lot of versions of Garnet that I really loved that we kinda went around the block on.
4: There's like a superhero yeah. aspect yeah. of the way we were drawing her for yeah. a while. And some a little more knightly mm-hmm. too.
2: Just like broader shoulders and like a bigger like her top piece which just got kind of big and, yeah. and fun and but I, I really like where we ended up with her and her mm-hmm. glasses. She's just cool. <laughs> yeah.
1: I've seen a lot of people talk for a long time. You know, Paradox getting her star has always been a thing. You know, people have been like, "Oh, what's what's going to be?" And one of my favorites was the star hair, mm-hmm. the concept of the triangle. Yeah, triangle don't worry, I drew it. Yeah, we tried
2: it. I, I
5: wonder. I
1: was wondering if that was ever
2: considered. And we did. We did try yeah. it. Yeah, didn't? Yeah, we
3: really. did. Yeah. we tried everything. Yeah. we yeah. tried everything. Didn't, um, it didn't feel like her.
4: It was too much. It was a too yeah, much. Yeah, it was just well, too much.
3: We subtly imply it. This is kind of like the star on Lapis's outfit. The glasses poking out mm-hmm. change her silhouette, which mm-hmm. is very important. Those
4: glasses are so hard to draw. They are. <laughs> tricky.
3: But it was not just giving her new glasses. It's mm-hmm. also giving her a new it silhouette. It
4: also exposing Peridot to Jim. Now yes. it's not behind yeah. the visor anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: yeah. She can polish it now. I think <laughs> one of the most... Important things about Peridot's new design is that she has little rain boots. She has little <laughs> boots on, and like Lapis getting shoes, Peridot had socks forever. She was walking around in essentially in socks because her limb enhancers were off, and in now she finally—yes, she finally has shoes on. They both have shoes on. <laughs> Very important. Just it, I think you know they're sturdier now. They they can right stand on the ground with confidence.
1: <laughs> so one other thing I wanted to ask about about the. The new fusions, which uh, you know, there's a lot. So, (laughs) what went
4: into designing and casting them? Uh, Well, the idea for Rainbow 2.0 was sort of like a Mary Poppins meets Bert.
3: Yes, Bert and Mary together. Colin had done these drawings eons ago. He did, yeah, he did those like, well, that was like three years ago, and that was his concept that that's how Rainbow 2.0 would be. And I just fell in love with it then, and I knew we were going to do it eventually. Yeah, Um,
4: the weapon being a parasol such a, like a perfect marriage of a shield and a spear yes yes mm-hmm.
3: we've known that for a very long time sunstone was newer
4: and uh, and really I feel like sunstone was supposed to get a face and we're just like it just looks good like this oh uh, no <laughs> <laughs> that was i remember
3: I, so I, I basically drew a picture of a cool sun on the back <laughs> of the handout um, and gave it to mickey and jeff and I remember later you were Joe. I'm saying you and pointing to Joe. You were doing, uh, you were doing some more sunstone poses, and and you were like, I had done some tighter concepts by then, and you were like, Yeah, but what does the face look like? Yeah. I'm like, It looks like that. And you're like, Yeah, but, but what does the face look like? And I'm
2: like, That's what it looks like. Because what you drawn was this like doodle. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't a thing yet. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. the they're gems. They're um. Their cartoons yeah yeah oh. and i've seen i've seen a lot of people catching on to that to that that 90s aesthetic cool movie. radical Sun, yeah. right yeah radical
4: x Sun. games mm-hmm. sonic says type character <laughs>
3: garnet fusions can break the fourth wall and one of the things that happened in the room was the idea that Sunstone, that a Stephen fusion would break the fourth wall to give helpful advice to children, which I just (laughs) love. I think we shopped on that together. It wasn't in the first pitch. And then we all talked about it and we Mm -hmm. put it in. And it just makes so much sense. Of course, Stephen and Garnet would do that together. Garnet already sort of does that when she's with Steven specifically. And Steven would love to do that if he had the authority to speak like Garnet. And so Sunstone just makes so much sense. And... The suction cups we knew for a long time. The shield shield plus gauntlet. Yeah. Because because this is very important. We really wanted sunstone please make this toy. We really wanted sunstone to feel like one of those garfields that you stick yep. to the back of your of your car window. Yep. Please make this toy. <laughs> yep. Everybody demand this toy. I really want a sunstone. Oh I love those.
1: That would be incredible, yeah.
3: Like a dance in Homer. Like it just you know. <laughs>
1: Please. What about um, casting for them?
3: We uh, just described them in detail and put it out there and closed our eyes and listened to a a bunch of different takes on them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Alistair James told us when he came in, and forgive me if I'm remembering this incorrectly, but I believe he's doing an impression of his grandmother from Boston who did a (laughs) British accent for some reason. But the fondness of it is so there. I think there's a warmth... To Rainbow's voice. That's just wonderful. And uh, Shaniqua Shandai is a writer and actor, mm. and she was perfect. I, I just <laughs> was, was glowing. I couldn't believe we found someone to perfectly embody this character. She sounded just
2: like how Mickey pitched, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. pitched Sunstone originally. It's, it's just
3: wonderful. And I, I told her, I'm like, this character is, is like a a good job sticker in your <laughs> in your composition notebook this is just a radiant force of positivity that is it's steven's gold star manifest incarnate you know it's the i i love sunstone
1: i get like juice box vibes you know like sunstone would appear on uh, the back of a juice box you mm-hmm. know, for
2: vitamin C or something she should definitely be on a, <laughs> a cereal box I, like, yeah they would yeah. definitely yes.
4: be used for merchandising but yeah. it'll it would be wrong because <laughs> you shouldn't monetize something like that
2: yeah
1: <laughs> Sonic says yes
4: <laughs> okay cool well,
1: thank you guys so much for talking to me oh thank you so coming up we've got writers Matt Burnett and Ben Levin to talk about that powerful confrontation between Steven and White Diamond and what it was like seeing the final episode that they worked on come to life Matt Burnett and Ben Levin just joined Rebecca and I. Thank you guys so much for coming back on the show.
5: Thank you for having us. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Huh? I wanted
6: you to say your name say oh. first because she said your name first so that oh. maybe they know our voices. All right.
5: So this is Matt's voice. <laughs> this is Ben's voice. This is
1: ben. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the I wanted to talk about Obsidian because obviously that's a big landmark moment for a lot of reasons. But I just was wondering you know, when you saw them in their finished state, how did they compare to your early visions of the fusion of all crystal gems? We we had her f-
2: forever.
5: I, I mean. mean, it's like exactly how <laughs> so, that early vision was, because she's the temple.
3: Yeah. You know?
6: Yeah, it's like this hidden in plain sight thing that you, we finally got to pay off. Right, yeah. Even yeah. This,
3: the sword, I was really happy that mm-hmm. someone found the sword, which has been underwater since Bubble Buddies, but is also very visible in ocean gem when mm-hmm. the oceans cleared out i mean we always had obsidian we always had the name yeah we always had the design
5: how the not, not the finished
3: design which took a very long time but how
5: the mouth functioned yes. the mass lifting up and revealing kind of the monster mouth underneath but,
3: yeah the mouths.
5: but the way that the sword came out
3: <laughs> that yes that that was super changed. cool <laughs> was
5: right like, yeah whoa. how the how the four weapons were going to combine if they were at all, or if they was, the sword was just going to be the separate thing.
3: Yeah, Mickey invented that. You were saying the
1: sword was under the ocean?
3: Yes, the sword is part of the temple of the statue of obsidian. Oh. Uh, when the water's cleared out, you can see it sitting on the ground.
5: And in Bubble <laughs> Buddies, when Connie and Steven are rolling around on a bubble, they roll—they roll right past right it. past it in the background. Mm-hmm.
1: Wow, I never noticed. That's incredible. The, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's cool seeing because, like you said. The Temple Fusion's been there forever, but it's just mythical moment. And it, it's fun how um it's all of their voices combined, right? hmm That's pretty fun. I also just wanted to ask about White Diamond and sort of her personality. What inspired her whole shtick?
3: The earliest inspiration for White Diamond goes, goes all the way back to the very, very beginning of the show. She was inspired by a film called The Story of Menstruation, which was made in 1946. Kotex commissioned Disney to do a film to play in schools about what to expect when you begin to menstruate. And it's narrated with this woman's voice, this kindly older woman's voice that talks about how your body is going to change. And I think the the most fascinating part about it, aside from that, the animation is really interesting, and the designs are are really cool and cute, and that these masterful animators were assigned to do this film, <laughs> is that there's a part where uh, there's a woman at her vanity, she's combing her hair, and she starts to pull her hair, and the narrator is saying that there are going to be times when your mood will fall and where you'll get upset, and as this woman pulls her hair... Uh, she she tugs it and she starts to just wail and, and cry and she puts her head down in her arms and she's sobbing into her arms at her vanity. And this voice says, don't forget that people have to be around you and you're going to need to be more pleasant if you want people to like you. And you see the reflection in the mirror slowly straighten up and smile and she fixes her hair and then it just... Pans. It just wipes to another scene where she's out dancing, not too strenuously, of course. This is the right amount. And you leave behind the woman that's sobbing on her vanity. The real her is still crying into her arms. The reflection of her is likable and pleasant and smiling and, and fixing her hair. But the real her is still sobbing into her arms. And it just goes by. It's not. That's it. It's done. It's correct now that she's out with people and she can continue to do all the things she normally does, which is mainly cleaning a house. (laughs) Uh, It just felt so interesting to me how warm the narration was and how nightmarish the content was. The idea that you shouldn't express yourself uh, if you're going through this, that you need to, to keep up appearances. And all that matters is this reflection of yourself and how you actually feel must be repressed in order for you to continue to function. And it's just such an interesting artifact. And that was the voice and that was the feeling. And I, I remember playing this for Colin in, in, the black, in the Black Building in the earliest days of Stephen, and just being like, this is what Homeworld is. There are so many elements to what Homeworld is. A lot of it is inspired by Busby Berkeley. Especially White is especially inspired by Hetty Lamar in *Ziegfeld Girl* and Nell Brinkley drawings, and it, it, this era where the idea of a person as a beautiful piece of furniture was very appealing. Where the, the more pleasant and approachable, and this is in everything. You watch these old musicals. You watch *Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend*. There are living women that are just lamps that are smiling and they're just there and they're just part of the scenery. I mean, it's just fascinating. And this was just, I don't know, nice, like this was cool to see uh, this fantasy of a bunch of people just presenting themselves in this way where they weren't moving or feeling anything except positive. And that was lovely. That was entertaining. That was a, a, <laughs> an escape. <laughs> I I am just so fascinated by these older things.
6: Yeah, some of those concepts were in the ideas for what early what what homeworld would look like of like actually having f- gems whether or, whether or not they were sentient. I don't remember if they were or had been turned to stone, but they were just like frozen, functioning as
5: architecture. Um, that was sort of something that was talked about, I remember. In one of the earlier episodes in the Diamond Days event, you see the walls looking at Steven as he goes. So they're all, some of them are real gems. That's their purpose is to be a building. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I feel like a lot with, as we honed in on White and sort of the role she had to play in the story with Steven, I feel like thinking of her as this mother figure too was like kind of, Important became kind of important about, like, how, how these are her kids and what, what is her relationship with them.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah, her description of um blue and yellow and Stephen and, you know, his friends and stuff, and the part where she says Stephen sort of surrounds himself with lesser gems really stuck with me. What were you thinking uh, when you guys were characterizing her that way?
3: Well, White's way of thinking is that she... Is everyone and everyone is her she considers herself this default white light being passed through a gem that allows her to be 100% of that white light and when she sees other gems absorbing certain colors of that light via what's inside of their gems she sees that gem as being her but a little bit less in a way white has no identity at all Mm. because she thinks that she's just light And so everyone is her. And she feels like she can override people and turn them into her because she thinks that they're essentially the same. She's an extremely poorly differentiated person, but she does not realize that.
1: Does she really think she's helping people by, you know quote-unquote purifying them and letting her light shine through them?
3: I mean, she's wrong about everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's hard to even put anything in those terms because she's just so wrong about who everyone is and who she is.
6: It's like a, an antithesis to Rose or what Stephen is learning. It's like expression versus repression. White Diamond is about, uh, you know, not having flaws, putting this mask over yourself. But...
3: It all comes back to the story of menstruation, which is that (laughs) (laughs) she would prefer that your reflection straighten up and be approachable and be pleasant and not cause any trouble than to have to deal with the sobbing actual person that she hurt. And she has the power to override people. She has the power to erase people's points of view and selves so she can continue to live in a delusion where everything is fine and it's not.
1: Right so then like for especially for you uh you guys Matt and ben, this is your your final episode on Stephen, right yes mm-hmm. so what was it like seeing this you know kind of come to fruition after five seasons
6: yeah, but we so we were leaving to work on Craig the Creek, and it just so happened it was coinciding with these were the last episodes that we were going to be writing on, and it was very tough. To be yeah. leaving Stephen, uh, the show is such a family, and uh, it's just been, it was so
5: amazing working with Rebecca and everybody. We held on, like, I feel like we held on as long as we could, and we were, like, escorted off of the Stephen floor <laughs> onto the crag yeah. floor. Because I, like, I remember the last thing we did was we handed out escapism to Adam. Mm. And mm. I was in that handout. And I remember that. And then maybe we saw one or two pitches of the episodes immediately before, cause that's the way our schedule works. You came and to then, our big pitch. But then I can't, we, we, we did come to the big pitch of the, the board for, um, change your mind, but we, we hadn't seen it until that point. Like it wasn't like we had gone to any pitches and given any input into it. Right. Uh, so yeah, so it was just that last little bit. We, we didn't get to do the full, the full participation that we did on every other episode. But we still, we, we wrote that story and it was, you know, and it was executed perfectly. And, uh, yeah, it was just, it was like, this show has been such a uh, a fun exercise in, like, payoffs and just, like, setting things up and seeing how long you can go and keep that ball, like, volleying in the air until you, like, spike it into the audience's, heart. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and, uh, and this, and I mean, and we've, you know, we've, there's been payoffs all throughout the series, I think that came at right, exact right moments. And then this one was just like, all right, this is like a machine gun of ball spikes of like, this is everything we have, so much we had left, let's try and hit as much of it as we can. And for that, it's just like, I can't, you know, we did it because we like when we see things that do it. But I was trying to think of it the other day. I'm like, did anyone have this mean I don't know. It's it's it feels very special. The episode, it's very cool. Just every just every moment is like one of our other uh, season finales. Like it's a billion of them in this one, so it's (laughs) just awesome. Yeah, to be able to like pay off, yeah, have all these payoffs and like kind of
6: feel like we paid off so many characters, arcs, or got to see them change or come to a better place, made it so much easier to move our stuff into another building (laughs) and work on another show. But, it, yeah, I mean, like, it was seeing it finished, uh, it was incredible. I mean, yeah, because we this was the one that we were a little, we were more
5: in the dark on than any of the other episodes. Uh-huh.
3: We'd been setting all this stuff up for so many years together. Mm.
5: Yeah. <laughs> there was only one way, one way it could go in some instances. It wasn't going to be like, eh, maybe there's a great diamond. <laughs> 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 Swerve.
6: Yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, in a lot of, like, the, I'm really proud of the episode but it was, yeah, it was a lot of juggling of, like, okay, like, we wanted to really give everybody their moment and made sure mm-hmm. it all had a meaning. Like, you know, we were always, like, there was a lot of talk about, like, you know, making sure that Connie, like, what could she bring to the table? We wanted her there. And what could she say about her experience, mm-hmm. to White And just always, like, just how are we going to juggle all of this and put it in? And, you know, it, it got even more streamlined after the outlines. But, you know, I think that was, like, the thing that, like, wow, we... Very big pat on the back.
5: Yeah, <laughs> everyone did a great job and we did a great job. It was just like just so much pride in that episode. Just yeah. And everything from just like the, this, the episode works as this great epic story. And then there's just all those little moments that were things that over the course of five or six years – That were just like, oh, this would be cool to see. And it was like, yeah, let's get it in there. Let's get it in there. Let's see Amethyst be the one to greet Jasper when she reforms and stuff. And just every, it's just like everything. It's just like everything. It's like nothing was held back. And like, I mean, how, you know, it shouldn't be rare, but it does sometimes feel like it's rare where you're just like, we're going to do everything we want to do. And we did it.
3: Right. I, I feel so different all of a sudden now that it's out just because we spent. So many years building up the question of what would happen if Steven was separated from oh, his jam.
2: Yeah. And yeah. and
3: we had just since the very beginning, we had been trying and trying like like every concept, and this is how we've written the whole show. It's like we find a way to introduce one concept in one episode and then another seemingly unrelated concept in another episode and then another and then another and then another. And then, another and, then and then later it's like you need you need all of those to understand that this thing means this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and That scene, I mean, everything was building up to that scene. Mm -hmm. I know people have caught that pearl and three gems and a baby. I mean, that's very one-to-one. Like, she's like, I'm ready to do this. She thinks that... Right, yeah. But the mirror is when we actually introduced that concept that a gem could be trapped inside of an object. And then later we're saying, well, Stephen could also be that object. And Stephen pulling Lapis out of the mirror. I mean, and we were working on that in the earliest, earliest, yeah. earliest days, it was just sort of like, how can we start to get people to ask this question? Mm-hmm. Is this character trapped inside our lead?
5: <laughs> right. That, yeah. that you, Planting you know. Seeds. Yeah, that the audience, you know, has known and loved Steven as a character, but, like, to, to have given them enough to join in in White's doubt that Steven is actually his own character and that he's not just this vessel for Pink, like, that... I feel like that is because, you you know, you're like, well, of course Steven's going to win the day, right? But there was just enough there that, like, I feel like when that, that happens and there's that commercial break, I feel like there is a genuine tension of, like, you don't know what's going to happen. We've given right. you enough yeah. that it could go either way.
6: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that yeah. the – because we had had Stephen, I feel like – really insist that he is his own person and, and all this, but we had to plant enough things that, yeah, just seeded that doubt, the dreams that you see in the beginning of the episode, White's insistence, you know, she really pushes in, like, you know, to, to any audience member that might have thought, like, oh, no, like, Stephen is Stephen, like, she really drives in, or is, you know, mm-hmm. or is he, so that, that when that moment's happened, you're not sure what it's going to be.
3: I think this is something that's very real. I have these moments of hearing my mother's voice come out of my mouth and going, oh my gosh, (laughs) it's startling. You know, it's, it's, there is a human part of this where when you're trying to figure out who you are and what you believe, just knowing that your parents are inside of you. (laughs) (laughs) It's just really, it's just the truth. And I mean, and that can mean, that can mean so many different things to different people. But um, in this particular story, i was interested in exploring that and this was something the how we were going to do this was years and years of debate in a room full of all of us all of the borders and i mean we would talk about and how much the way that he would be connected to her but the hottest debates in our room had to do with this story and that's why it's my favorite about who that character would be, like who Stephen would be when he's separated from his gem and what that would mean and what we were trying to say with it just got sculpted over time by so many really, really excellent arguments. Uh, Even at the very end, we were still talking about their personalities and one of the last additions was that emotionlessness of Stephen's gem self, that all of his feeling is... It's not in there at all. And the earliest pitches, I just used the model sheet.
1: So why don't we bring in Ian Jones Cordy to talk more about that with you, Rebecca. And and thanks so much, Matt and Ben, for joining us today.
5: Oh, thank you. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs>
1: Ian Jones-Cordy just joined Rebecca and I as we continue to talk about the incredible Steven Universe season finale, Battle of Heart and Mind. So, Steven getting his gem removed was obviously a huge moment. Uh, What made you guys approach it with the split perspective that we saw?
3: Let's see. Well, that was in my section that I boarded. We'd been setting this up since the dawn of the show because the show is from Steven's point of view.
7: I always really loved uh, the way you boarded this scene because it it made really good use of the show being from Stephen's perspective. And if the show wasn't completely from Stephen's perspective, the scene wouldn't work.
3: Yeah. And we've been so true to that rule since the beginning. You know what he knows, you see what he sees. I think the only time we have any wiggle room is when the camera just stays there after he maybe leaves or
7: before he comes (laughs) in or before he comes into the scene. (laughs) So it's all kind of, it was all kind of building to a moment like that. And I remember when you were first planning how uh, the whole thing was going to work, remember yeah. having like, oh, we need some you know, the use of the perspective rule needs to really uh, come to come to a head here.
3: Yeah, I would say we're going to break the show. Mm-hmm. She's yeah. going to break. White Diamond is going to break the entire show. Yeah, And I mean, Stephen's sort of, quote unquote, eyes adjust. We end up getting to see what's actually going on. But I wanted you to experience it with him feeling torn in half.
7: The disorientation of that moment. Yeah, how
3: disorienting it is for him. And everything everything you've been experiencing has been what Steven's experiencing. So e- even up until this point, I mean, obviously he's been having these horrible nightmares and he's been experiencing things that he knows he's getting from Pink and this doubt that you're also experiencing as the audience is his doubt. And then this, I wouldn't call it an out-of-body experience because he has two bodies, but mm-hmm. you're feeling it with him.
1: Yeah, so you boarded the sequence then, Rebecca?
3: Uh, that's where I pick I pick up there and I end. Well, there's it's a lot of us uh, people yeah. uh, going on top of my stuff too. Uh,
7: One of my favorite things about the sequence where we see Pink Steven is that Pink Steven is like default Steven, basically Xeroxed from his model sheet. It's, it's,
3: well, but I, I, I will admit, I, I took his expression away.
7: Yeah, you changed his expression. But, like, the way that he looks is basically, like, remove any personality from Steven and just his default basic look. That's, you know what he is in that moment and there's something very unnerving and kind of scary about it and i remember uh when you when you pitched that it was really it was like it was like you know chills yeah yeah
3: steven is very expressive i mean he's a Mm -hmm. lot of different things but through all of it he's he's expressive yeah and to to take that away from him is is it's an awful thing to do to him
1: right right with pink steven is that, like, the proper term? So you guys call him?
3: That's what I that's was what calling internally him. Internally. Yeah.
1: We, uh, okay. That's not...
7: I don't know if there's an official name for what that was, but... Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah.
3: Uh, um, Stephen's gem self separated from Stephen's human self.
1: So it represents, like, the part of him, if his empathy comes from his human part, then it that's why I think Stephen is not expressive, is that...
3: He's been separated from his humanity. His mm. humanity is all on the other side of the room. Yeah, <laughs> all that's left is power.
7: Yeah, if we and think nothing, if we think of Stephen as humanity being held together by magic, yeah. it's like, oh, we're separating out those two parts. So now his humanity can't hold itself together, and his magic part has no humanity. So yeah, it's just scary. <laughs> the
1: power of Pink Steven also obviously stuck out a lot because of the the scream and uh the the just the way that he just shakes the entire room and it's insane so like what i'm kind of curious what makes him so powerful in ways that we haven't seen from like steven when they're together
3: well we've across the entire show we've often i mean through everything since gem glow mm mm-hmm. Steven has been struggling with the fact that he's half human and he doesn't know what that means for his gem powers, which are erratic. Mm -hmm. He's been building a relationship with his powers. That's the show. It's the course of the show Mm -hmm. and fostering them and caring about them. And I think his one big difficulty in his relationship with his gem is not really knowing if it's his own or if it's his mother's Uh, and his powers also. But there's always been the challenge of how to use and control and mm-hmm. how Steven can be powerful as someone who is half human and half gem.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and and then also discovering there are ways that he has been more powerful or, or, or special because of the humanity that he's bringing to his gem powers. I mean, that's a, it's a show. That's the yeah. whole show. <laughs> so yeah. this is what happens when that relationship he's been building with himself Mm -hmm. and with his own power gets pulled apart.
7: And to speak to it from a perspective of uh, uh, when we were writing and coming up with these things, I remember really early on, Rebecca, you had the idea that this final confrontation, a lot of it would be about Stephen's relationship to his powers uh, would be the ultimate um, show of who Stephen really is. And I remember really early on, we always thought, oh, it's because um, Steven isn't good at his powers. And then as the show, as we wrote more of the story, it was like, oh, it's actually because because Steven has uh, this lineage, he's ultra powerful and he kind of can't control that. And Mm -hmm. that became the perfect device for showing this happening in that moment.
3: This this scene of of him returning to himself was originally written into episode ten. Into
7: ten, yeah,
3: <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. It was going to be a part of
7: giant woman. giant
3: woman. It was it was right there when we first established fusion. Mm-hmm. And like many of the things, this is it's like the thing with Lars too, which was going to be like episode two. Yeah, we had a lot of stuff in the beginning that was just so many ideas and then
7: we we, would come up with a concept and then break the concept in the same episode but anyway
3: right and part of what we ended up doing was plotting everything out so we were introducing one concept at a time Mm -hmm. uh, instead Mm -hmm. of putting them all in one place and this was just the biggest one but it was it's very true to that original idea which is that steven wants the human part of himself Even if it would slow him down or even,
7: I mean. (laughs) Because it's it's what makes him him.
3: It's what makes him him, yeah. They can't be without each other. They're only half of him. Mm -hmm.
7: And then to speak to the other side of it, the side that isn't really about lore or continuity, but is just more about the themes in the episode. I mean, if you're a kid in Steven's position and you need to speak that truth, to power, I can't think of a better story to tell than one where the kid in that position has the power to to tell their authority figure who they are and mean it and have them understand it, you know? <laughs> to me, that's just really special about the scene. And, and it's, it's really real and just important about it to me.
1: Yeah, it, it feels like he really is, like, he... He's the only one that would have been able to get through to White, you know, like it had to be him. One other thing I wanted to ask about was we were talking about the the sequence where Stephen sort of fuses back with with Pink Stephen. It's, you know, just stunning. How was that produced? That was animated by James Baxter. Mm -hmm. Mm. I
3: got to meet him years and years ago, and I... This was probably 2014, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe. Tw- I think it was 2014. I did a drawing for his daughter's birthday party. <laughs> yeah, that's right, <where laughs> drawing, drawing for his daughter. Uh, I was like, oh my gosh! I think James Baxter. Like, he sent me an email. I mean, I knew. For- him, yeah. Through Adventure Time and and for and friends just of his.
7: From being an animation fan. And
3: of course, yes, I mean, of know,
7: course. And this is like this is like an animator. He can he can animate anything, you know? Yeah.
3: He's legendary. And so he asked if I would draw something for his daughter, and I said, Of course. And I dr- we drove it over and I went to her birthday party and I gave her this drawing. I yeah. believe it was of Rose Quartz and Steven. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Cool, I owe you a favor. <laughs> and I was like, I'm gonna hold on to this for something. That needs to be really, really special. Yeah. And when we got to this, I mean, this is the fusion dance of the show. Yeah. And it's part of the princess gauntlet. It's part of mm-hmm. everything, Stephen experiencing every sort of major Disney royalty trope that can happen. And so the ultimate thing has got to be a dance with a big rotation yeah. by James Baxter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's. Yeah. That's in there. So it felt thematically, conceptually, really, really right to me. And that it would be his, that it would really be the culmination of all of those things. in him taking ownership over what all of that is and was. Because Stephen is not... There's a way that Stephen does love those things. I mean, I mean he has a Raja. Like, it's just part mm-hmm. of the show. <laughs> right. Uh, he's... But the uh, the threat to that and that him feeling alienated by that he has to find himself in it mm-hmm. that part gets really it's pretty personal
7: but as for the production of it he um, he delivered you guys like the complete animation for the entire thing
3: yes he did all and, of it all the cleanup yeah and all the cleanup and it too. was it was inked overseas
7: mm-hmm. um, it was inked by Sun Min. but I mean it's a it's a gorgeous piece of animation and it it um, you know, it almost, it feels so uh, geometrically correct and perspective-wise, it's just beautiful. And uh, But that's, you know, one of his great skills. He can plot things out like that. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, it almost looked like CGI, you know. It's, it's <laughs> it, so is, so it is precise. It is not right? CGI. not yeah. CGI. <laughs> that is all
3: drawn by him. <laughs> that's that,
7: that's, that that's just James Baxter, yeah.
1: Legend.
3: <laughs> there were many, many... Bucket list things That we were doing In this episode mm-hmm. uh, One of the We had this Up on the wall On a post-it note We wanted a hot springs episode We yep. wanted it forever And I was like We're doing it now We're gonna do it here mm <laughs> We're going to have a big... Bubble bath. Bubble bath. Yeah. We're going to do our Hot Springs episode yep. <laughs> as part of Change Your Mind. And...
7: Kit, kit cloud kicker. <laughs> well,
3: is that... Yes, I guess that... do we introduce that in Change Your Mind? That is... Peridot, a, peridot 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 riding a piece of metal around. Riding, right. riding around on that trash can lid. That was a big wish lister. Mm-hmm. Um, but the uncorrupted gems, you had a lot of... That
7: was, that was something I... Them. Yeah, that was something I had wanted uh, for a really long time. I always felt really protective about the Corruptive Gems throughout the show. I always really loved all of them and how different they were. And um, I remember when you guys were plotting out the arc and we knew that basically everything was going to come back to Stephen trying to help the Corrupted Gems because that was maybe the, the conflict of the series. Uh, that was the original conflict. They were cleaning up the rest of these Gems and now we finally get to sort of see it through.
3: Yeah, I get to help them.
7: And finally get to help them. So, yeah, so that was like a huge wish list item for me. And so I sat down, I went through like all the old episodes, every single corrupted gem. I tried to draw uh, their their design where they're more healed. And um, a little piece of trivia about that is so to me, the longer a gem Uh, is corrupted the longer that their healed form will take on the sort of form when they were in their monster form so that's why several of the healed gems have very similar designs to their monster form because they were there for longer as opposed Mm. to someone like Jasper who kind of looks like her pre-corrupted self but with uh, a couple changes. It was pretty recent. Yeah, that was pretty recent so I totally did see someone online saying like, uh, they were like, that uh, uncorrupted crab gem looks like an okay KO character. I was like, well, shoot. (laughs) (laughs) My hand is maybe a little too visible. But like, (laughs) yeah, I was really, I really, really wanted uh, to see all of them again and to know that they were okay. And I love, uh, yeah, I loved finally seeing them all. And then once we had them, and you added a bunch of the um, of the different quartzes as well.
3: Yeah, I. There were many iterations of them. We went we went over and over and over, mm. a lot of those gem designs. The part that you did the most on, though, was the fusion sequence, the rainbow quartz two point oh sequence, yeah, especially.
7: And, yeah, the stuff with Smokey. That was that was another. Um, like bucket list one for me that was a wish list one i remember talking about the story and being like oh steven should just you know fuse with all the gems uh, just, And then everybody was like this is never gonna work i was like no it can work don't worry about it and then i think it came to the point where it's like well ian if you think it's gonna work you have to draw it so
3: <laughs> yeah but it came to the point you mean I said that to yes. you? Yes. <laughs> uh, it was still a huge, I will say, it was still a huge amount of work. It was still after a lot it of work. After it left your
7: hands. And um, uh, Christine Liu also did a lot of cleanup on that sequence. And the character designs are really amazing. And a lot of work went into them. But, yeah, uh, I wanted to do a sequence where... Uh, Steven got to save the other gems by fusing with them. And in doing so, we would get to see new versions of all the fusions. And, um, the thing that I was most excited about was, uh, Rainbow 2.0. And we had talked about it and you had done like a couple sketches.
3: Colin had really laid the ground for it.
7: Oh, that's true. Uh, Colin Howard, character designer for the show, had done, um, a lot of amazing concepts mm-hmm. for the character. You had done some sketches, but he he really took it and, and kind of made it its own character. And I really loved the work that he did.
3: Yeah, he came up with their whole personality. Mm-hmm. Rainbow is they, them, he, him. Sunstone is they, them, she, her. So if anybody's... Yeah.
7: But the thing, uh, Rainbow, let's see, with their uh, appearance... I wanted to really get across Pearl's properness and Steven's sort of, you know, the way that Steven kind of mugs and, you know, like makes jokes and wants to get a little laugh out of someone, even if it's really something mm-hmm. dumb, you know, which is how I arrived at Rainbow, like sticking their tongue out and going like, they're like <laughs> insane, like, and also doing a lot of puns. Mm-hmm. We hadn't done a character that... Um, we wanted to see Steven's early penchant for puns resurface. Um, yeah. and I was like, Oh, it, it, for Rainbow, this could happen again. And then the other surprise that I put in that Rebecca didn't know about until I pitched it is that Rainbow can ride <laughs> on their, uh, on their umbrella. And shoot a rainbow out of the back of it and <laughs> ride it down. Yeah, <laughs> That's hitting. pretty fun. I was trying to surprise something you. Something that, that one. feels so
3: <laughs> Hanna Barbera about
7: that. <laughs> My thought was like, uh, you know, Pearl can shoot the stars out of the end of uh, yeah, the end of her spear. She can shoot those lasers. So, like, what if Rainbow could shoot rainbows out of it?
3: <laughs> it? Makes total sense. Yeah, it makes total sense. Yeah, and then um, I think w- one thing I love too is that. With the new information about rainbow and sunstone, I feel like you can recontextualize sardonyx a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. the fourth it wall totally stuff. Changes is that. Is yeah. yeah. Coming from Garnet. Um, but the loving hearing themselves talk. Yes. <laughs> is definitely something that Pearl Fusion That's definitely common. a Pearl thing. And
7: then, yeah, Stephen, because Stephen is like, he he loves to enable the gems to be silly. You know, him in there, he helps them be that way.
3: Yeah, yeah. fun.
7: And then I would also like to say um, that the foot coming down on them uh, right before the uh, commercial break, them getting smashed by it, that's a dual reference. A lot of people were like, oh, it's like Monty Python where the giant foot comes down at the end. But also um, there's an episode, an early episode called Arcade Mania where they talk about fighting a giant foot. And we got to get that in there somewhere. (laughs) That's
1: awesome. Full circle. Yeah. Uh, I want to ask one last question. The season ends with the song, Change Your Mind. So what does that song um, to you guys express about, like, the theme of the episode and just of the show in general?
3: That song was not actually written for the show. That was a personal song that I wrote while... Fighting for the wedding. And at first, I wasn't sure if I wanted to include it because I knew I would feel exposed. But over the course of making the show, it was the thesis that I had arrived at in order to keep functioning as a showrunner. And I didn't want to half say it, I wanted to actually say what I'd learned and what I meant.
7: Change your mind isn't the end of the franchise Steven Universe, but Change Your Mind is the end to this particular story that we started writing uh, back in 2011. And Change Your Mind is sort of like almost, even though it's something that you wrote during that process, it's kind of an encapsulation of sort of the whole thing. Do you have any thoughts about like it being like The finale to this part of Steven's story.
3: The thing about Steven Universe is that it's a coming-of-age story. And this is something that he had to figure out in order to start making decisions for himself. And Mm -hmm. throughout the show, it's actually been very difficult to write Stephen because he puts others in front of himself and his motivations are so tied in with what he thinks other people want, what he thinks his mother would have wanted, uh, what he thinks the gems want, who he thinks he's supposed to be. And this is where we finally break that all down. He, He can't be distracted by any sort of supposed to. It doesn't exist for him. And he doesn't have to be what other people want or expect him to be. That's where he that's what he needed to find
7: yeah, and i don't think I don't think it's a spoiler to say that this specific arc of Steven's like change your mind definitely makes a definitive statement on Stephen and who he is and what he thinks he is and how he feels about it, and moving forward from now it's you know it's going to be different. everything will be different, you know, everything will be different and i I really hope that you know if you're the kind of person who is waiting to watch like more stuff is that you don't think of this of the break between change your mind and what comes next as like you're waiting for more of this show because this version of it is is done you know there's gonna be more but it's gonna be different and it's gonna be something new there's a lot more to do but you know, we're not coming back here because Stephen has really figured something out about himself. And so this part of the story is, you know, yeah, that's it.
1: Yeah. Well, again,
7: congratulations
1: on an amazing uh, season finale. It was incredible. And, and thank you guys so much for talking to me.
7: Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for having us.
1: The Podcast is produced by Stacey Para, Charles Abadge, and Conrad Montgomery. Special thanks to Rob Sorcher, Cartoon Network Studios, The Crewniverse, and Turner Studios in Atlanta. Coming up next week, we're celebrating the fandom. The cast and crew universe are answering your questions. Zach Callison, Michaela Dietz, Dee Dee Magnol hall Matthew Moy, and storyboard artists Lamar Abrams and Miki Brewster are tackling the questions that you guys submitted to both my Twitter and Cartoon Network's Twitter. So subscribe to the Steven Universe podcast today so that you guys don't miss out on hearing their awesome answers. You can subscribe and listen for free at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on Amazon and Google Smart Speakers. I'm Mackenzie Atwood, and I'll see you next Thursday.